Welcome to Beyond Queer Stories, the podcast that gives voice to the queer community through the art of storytelling. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. I'm Dawn. I'm Anna Deshawn. And welcome. We have Lily B here with us today. I'm excited to talk to Lily B. I'm familiar with the stoop. And we all, we got a little bio here. So let's do this official situation. Lily B is a longtime host and producer of The Stoop, a live off-book storytelling show on Chicago's West Side. Lily B is a longtime Chicagoan and supporter of the community and the arts. Her foyer into performing was completely by accident, and she continues to create and do work in efforts of finding other people like her who may not have access to or resources to classes, workshops, and storytelling shows to discover their voice and standing in their truth. She does a lot more than a bio intro will ever do her justice, so catch everything she has going on at lilyb.com. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I listened to that and I'm like, man, it's <laughs> robust. <laughs> it is. And I love your pronouns you sent us, she goddess. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's me. It is you. So to kick us off, can you tell us what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? What identities? Mm, that's a good question. I would say that they're, they're really just based in um, truth, I guess. I mean, I don't know if there's if there's any real, like, one identity. It's like... I feel like honest kind of encompasses that is is kind of where I am influenced by is like people that I feel are real and uh and so that could be anyone right that could be it doesn't matter what the shell is it's the the aura the essence that kind of shape and mold mm-hmm. who and why and what I want to be I guess, you know? Yeah, gotcha. And who you want to surround yourself with, right? For sure, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, that's a must. It's definitely part of my, like, new me kind of world that I'm living in Mm -hmm. and have been for a couple years now. It's interesting. Yeah, I feel like as we grow older, we start to prioritize that so much. I know, like, just in the last couple years, that's something I've been really prioritizing because... Like, before that, it's like, oh, whoever wants to do the same things I do and whoever wants to go to the place that I want to go. And then it, like, at least for me, like, shifted. I'm like, no, that's not good enough. Like, I need to have more requirements for mm-hmm. who I share my energy with and who I surround myself with. What was that like for you? You said that's been, like, the past few years that shifted for you. Well, yeah, no, I think um, we – I'm not going to say we because I'm done kind of speaking in this, like, collective when mm-hmm. I'm really just talking – for myself, like I can't, I, I'm done speaking for a collective of us um, because I don't know everyone's life mm-hmm. and uh, and I can't speak to everyone's experience. So I have learned that um, it's not even about energy protecting or it's just about really just being mindful and discerning like who and where I am putting energy, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
protecting energy will in itself drain me if I mm. spend my time protecting my energy. <laughs> you know, so instead, I'm just very mindful that, you know, today I spent some time with someone that was really draining. And, you know, that re and because I decided that, like, I know now as I am stepped into what I call like my doña, which is a Mexican or Spanish word for like almost like oracle kind of like <laughs> <laughs> is that I'm I'm really mindful of, of who and what energy you're bringing into my into like my space and so I have every right to be like I want you here for as long as I want you here and I and I'm going to take and I know that this is going to be draining mm -hmm. and uh and so now I have to kind of make up for that in 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 a day in an you know in an hour however I make up for it because you ain't really like I said, protecting my energy was just as draining as it, as it was, you know, as what I'm doing now, you know. But now at least I know that tomorrow. That's why I, when I first scheduled this, I was like, I don't schedule that far in advance. Right, right. I don't. I just I don't schedule a month, two months in advance. I just don't. Um, because the energy that I say yes to today, tomorrow could be nil, mm -hmm. right, you know. So... Yeah. I, I tend to just uh, give me some time and I'll, I'll holler back at me closer to that date and I'll let you know and I'll agree to it. So, yeah, no, I've just gotten better at uh, appropriating or I guess kind of putting my energy where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. I feel it's different for me. Yeah, but I think everybody does it in a different way. Oh, yeah, for it's, me, right. Yeah, that's that's what works for you. Yeah, so and that's, you, I'm like, mm, I can't speak for anybody else. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> and, you, and we don't know until you know. Right. And, how, yeah. and what works for you. Exactly. Right? And so you've done this amazing thing by creating a space for people to share their stories, to be, as you say, to be as real as they can be. And you've created an, a platform for folks to give all their energy by sharing their stories to a group of strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... On the west side. On the west side of all places. Because there ain't no shows on the west side. Mine and uh, Khalees Stewart just started one uh, on in Austin. But for the most part, most shows stay in these really kind of gentrified white neighborhoods I'm not I'm not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything no um, you know and with the exception of like I said uh, a couple like uh, you know grown folk stories um, in Hyde Park but for the most part it's important to if we're going to say inclusivity and diversity that we start to include and and be diverse and not just uh, and and that doesn't mean just like race and culture right, right. that means like I mean, socioeconomic, that means able, is like, you know, mm -hmm. your ability. And, like, it just means in a lot of different ways. And I think people are just like, we're all inclusive. And I'm like, but really, are you? Because I know, you know, my broke ass ain't going all the way to Hop Leaf, you know, like <laughs> every, you know, every month because it's right. like I'm not going to go spend $20 uh, just, you know, to eat a burger and, and have one beer, right? Because mm -hmm. I just, just not. Um, but that's me. That could be a bunch of me's all over the city, right? So uh, how do we create space for that? How do we open up uh, conversations and, 
and platforms for for those for for those communities. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. <laughs> it's like let's how do we do that? Mm -hmm. As a how do we bridge? How do we close gaps? I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I've been doing this ten years, and I still don't see it even in my own show like I just and you know and and grown folk stories and all these shows they they tend to stay where they are and 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 that's you know all of them all of them I'm not I'm not singling any one show or community out I'm saying like every show has its bubble yeah you know and uh and and that's but that's Chicago Chicago in itself is a city of of segregation in bubbles right. right so we only reflect what we are as a city so we're working on it we all, <laughs> we all doing the best and living in what we're, we're at you know yeah i mean i know i am i'm like let's see how we're gonna do this little by little we're working on it for sure we're working on it and storytelling such a powerful art and it's so important to have it across communities across abilities and identities like you said right like I know once I first started in it it just like released something it was such a healing platform and it was such a way to like connect and see others and be seen and I really appreciate that you're doing this in spaces where it's not as accessible because like even me like all my friends try and get me to go to these north side storytelling shows and i just i don't have the energy or the means to do that especially on a work day mm -hmm. after work to hike all the way up there and like i've appreciated what you brought more to the south side and the west side to be able to access that and have that experience to collectively meet with others and whether it's workshopping or telling stories and all of that it, it's so valuable yeah no it is it's a I, I like I, I when I say storytelling saved my life. It's not, and I've said this at other shows and other platforms. Like, it's not hyperbole. It's not like an exaggeration. Like I was checked out. I was legit checked out of my life. And uh, a friend of mine was like, "Come to the show in Wicker Park. I think you'll like it." And mm -hmm. it was grown folk stories. And she signed me up. And I told the story. Um, and the rest is history. It it it, it was a place where. Um, I remember getting into like a little mini argument on a panel one time where um, someone was like, you know, writing isn't therapy, therapy is therapy. And, oh, gracious. And, uh, mm -hmm. As and a psychologist, I do not agree with that statement. Well, I heard it and I was kind of like, well, do you say that? Because that's a very privileged thing to say. Hell yeah. Right? It it's a very privileged thing to say because do you say that then to like the kid in, in juvie who's who uses writing as a form to like release anger or depression, right? Like can mm -hmm. you say like your writing ain't therapy? Therapy is therapy, right? right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, so so for me when I was checked out and I went to grown folks and Carl Brigandi called my name it was after a really kind of sh shitty, traumatic moment in my life. And uh, and I took it as a challenge to see if, like, oh, she's like, everyone is family. No one will judge you. And I'm like, <laughs> we'll okay, see. right. Uh -huh. it, was very, it was very defiant like that. Like, okay, we'll, we'll watch this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I told the story, and, and she was right. Like, nobody judged me for 
who and what and what I, what I was sharing. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone was family, and everyone did kind of feel that, especially in a moment where I felt so judged and I felt that I had no family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good to kind of feel that. And then I just kept going every month. So mm-hmm. it is, um, for some people, it is a way into, because guess what? That did lead to me actually finding resources and people that were not just storytelling, right? That that essentially led me to see like someone that was really a therapist, right? Or mm-hmm. that, but I was I wouldn't have gone had someone like told me to go. Yeah. It kind of had to build its way to that place, and that's why I said like storytelling saved my life. Um, it's and it changed my life, and uh, and I think a lot of what this is in the city is, is that. There has been a resurgence, I feel, around storytelling that yeah. I didn't see five years ago. I don't know. This is about, yeah, this is like a death. I've been in this 10 years. Five years ago, it was five of us. Five. When I say mm-hmm. us, like people of color and Chicagoans in the storytelling scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being the... Oh my gosh! <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember starting so much shit. Like, tell us the stories. I want the <laughs> stories. Oh my gosh, the tea, so <laughs> to speak. Um, I was just. I got to a place in storytelling where I got. I got really just annoyed uh, being invited to shows and not seeing myself in the audiences or the lineups with me. Like seeing people, or even afterwards, hanging out with people where they're like, oh my God, my time in college or my vacations. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, well, I don't know what y'all are talking about, right? And I just had to sit there and listen and uh, and not really be able to add to the conversations or even be included in them. Uh, and and then being completely oblivious to that, right? And, and, and no... And, and I know they weren't ill intention, like it wasn't coming from a place of intentionally like making me feel that way, but also there's a blindness that is like, I don't see that this is what this person is feeling. There's this like mm-hmm. lack of kind of mindfulness that that is, oh, they might not get that. You know, they might not feel welcome in this space just from that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had women, I remember going to a fire, uh, someone invited me to a, uh, it was an outdoor storytelling show around a fire. And uh, I told the story about going to Mexico and my family devouring goat heads as, as a form of celebration for someone's 75th birthday my grandfather's 75th birthday and how horrified I was <laughs> as a 16 17 year old like what is fucking going on right now um and my mom laughing and my family la- laughing at me and it but it being a very cultural thing and then ending the story with like um best believe I'm gonna do it like I'm gonna do when I turn 75 just I'm gonna put my son and my grandchildren through the same kind of horror <laughs> um because it's cultural it's part of my culture and the question that was asked of me after the show or in the in the in the group gatherings, you know how people like flock and mm-hmm. hang out, were like, uh, you know what, you don't look Mexican. What? Yeah, right. And like I just talked about go heads and that's what the question you got. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. all you got from that. <laughs> well right, right. Like, oh I wouldn't ever guessed you were Mexican. And they didn't say it in this like mean way. It was like 
you, I I would have never like almost like they're complimenting or, or mm-hmm. I don't know I don't I didn't know how to take that mm-hmm. but th- but that's what I was saying and that's when I kind of started becoming this voice that I guess people may have called divisive or or people may have said was uh, trying to start shit or whatever was that like I don't think again it comes back to mindfulness and and really considering like do you ever think that w- w- in this world of us being vulnerable that I, Lily B, and other women of color and, and, and people of color or that are coming into these spaces are already coming into this vulnerable without mm-hmm. saying a word. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are like, this is a safe space. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. Define safe. Right, because for, yeah. for y'all it might be a safe space, but I walk out this door here today I'm never in a safe space. I'm never in a safe space. As as a as a ambiguous woman of color, like I've been mistaken for black, Puerto Rican, uh, Middle Eastern. I've been mistaken depending on how I wear my hair. I've been mistaken for like a lot of different cultures and races and whatever. Everywhere I step is a brave space. I'm mm-hmm. stepping in like I'm creating this space. Just by being there, I'm being brave and this this is a brave space. So I would prefer, yeah, this is a brave space for everybody. The only people mm-hmm. really safe in any space is straight white men, right? Uh, if I had to like <laughs> pick who's safe, you know? So I don't think that that was ever really a consideration is that like that made me feel uncomfortable when someone was like, you don't look, and then I don't know how to respond to that because my gut gut wants to be like, well, then you don't know enough fucking Mexicans, right? Or apparently you aren't aware of, the, you know, and, and that's not, and that can be taken as standoffish, and that can be taken as like, well, excuse you, or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then I'm the one being upset about something. Right. I'm the one that looks is looked at as toxic, which happened because I was like, hey, where are all of us in this scene? Why we got a group of 2,000 storytellers and <laughs> 1% of us are brown in the city mm-hmm. of Chicago? Right, right. Right, you know, so it's like, they were just like, why are you bringing this up? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a place to talk about race. <laughs> and it's we like, don't want to talk about that here. <laughs> but then but then in my inbox, they're like, hey, Lily, can you send us some of your friends? We need some lineups. We need mm-hmm. to, you know, but it's like, come on now. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's. Hey, Lily, I was thinking the same thing. I'm so glad you said something. <laughs> <laughs> right. On the right. low, they're uh, just In my like, inbox. Yeah, yeah, in my inbox yeah. and on the low, they, you know, I got receipts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's what I'm saying, and I and so for me, it's like while I appreciate that there are so many spaces where people are allowed to be vulnerable, I also think that um, the consideration should be made to those of us that are consistently and constantly being vulnerable just in being, right? right. And that uh, and that it's times ten, mm-hmm. right? And that maybe. You should take that into consideration when booking shows or filling your audiences or, you know, because you never know, right? And so we do our best to provide spaces like that when I do what I do, but it's not easy, not even for me, you know? I got to be mindful of a lot, so it's hard, y'all. Hard. Vulnerability is hard. It is. It takes a lot of practice. (laughs) And I know... The story you're bringing us today uncovers another layer 
that you haven't even touched on yet. Nick, so Nick. I love to hear that piece of uh, you today. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm ready. That's that's Let's a, do that's it. a new piece. All right. I'm uh, I'm waiting in, at New Wave Coffee, and I'm looking for him to arrive, and he does. He's, he he walks in the door, and and he is a man that I had met on OK Cupid. He finally, uh, he's one of the the few that have passed the ninja warrior style tests that I put men through when I do any online dating so to speak right like it's like did he did he read my profile and make sure that <laughs> that you know and passed all the tests right make sure that he's like listened taking notes and and he did you know like cuz they do that they don't read the whole profile dudes don't read the whole profile and uh, and this one did and then does he go and move on to the phone interview, which is what I call it, right? The phone, so from the internet, the online interview, uh, the phone interview, which is, can he hold a conversation without sexual innuendo? Can he talk to me about the things that were in my profile in depth? Do we connect? Do we vibe? Could I see myself hanging out with this person outside of a romantic relationship? And uh, I can like, you know, he seems cool. So the next step, obviously, is the the face-to-face. And the face-to-face, for me, I really didn't want it to be at a coffee shop. I, I do my best to avoid coffee and drinks. It's so basic to me, especially in a city like Chicago. I just find coffee shops and bars to be so basic to meet people. Uh, meet me in the middle of... Because I'm very random like that. Like, I'll, I'll hang out all day by myself, uh, pick a street, and then just walk. So that's usually what I do. But it's February 2019, and I don't want to be outside. So I agree against what I normally do to meet him at New Wave. I'm in the process of working on being in a rap battle. That's what brought us to the meet and greet, the conversation about, oh, so you're going to be in a rap battle? And I'm like, yes, it's a long story, but I somehow shit-talked my way into a rap battle that my sister is hosting. And so uh, I got some lyrics that a comedian friend of mine helped me write, and he was like, I'd love to hear them. And I'm like, he's like, I used to, you know, be in the hip-hop scene. I'll help you. I'll uh, tell you what to think. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we met at New Wave, and I was showing him the lyrics. He helped me with a couple or tweak them. And then uh, we closed down New Wave, uh, and we go to my place. Really not with anything more than just to now put this on top of a beat. Even though the rap battle that I was going to be in didn't need a beat. We were going to be doing it kind of just like freestyling with no beat. He said that they would sound cold. They're like, they'd be cold on a beat. And I'm like, oh, I could do that on some Spotify. Let's go to my house. And so we go to my house. And I spit my raps. And by the way, this rap battle is on Instagram. I totally slayed. I killed this little youngin. Uh, but I remember being like showing him the, the the rhymes and being like, you know, I'm the mother of dragons, which means I'm catching that breath. Winter is here now. Prepare for your death. It was um, uh, a Game of Thrones game. 
and I feel him get super close. Like he's ready to like like that was the that was the rhyme that was like I'm going in for a kiss. And normally I would have been okay with this. But I hadn't dated in six months uh, after my last breakup. And for some reason, this was like, ugh. And I was like, ugh, get away from what? And, I, and it was very standoffish. I was like, what you doing? What you doing? And he backed off and he was like, nothing. I'm, I'm sorry. And he's super apologetic. And I was like, look, I told you, you read my profile. My profile was like, not three months, not six months, not a year. I'm not fucking you. Like, you think that was a joke? And, I, and I, I'm angry. I'm upset because I'm like, this is a long con, you, you know, and I'm so upset. And he was like, no, I just thought it was, I mean, we were vibing and, uh, and, and I asked him to leave and he left. And then uh, I, I closed the door and I'm a little mad, I'm mad and I'm like sitting, I'm huffing. And then I sit on my couch and I'm still huffing, but I'm thinking about like how nice he was and the conversation that we had. And I'm thinking like, there was nothing wrong with dude. Like, he had a job, he was respectful, like, he listened, he, he, you know, he, like, had dreams and goals and, and opened up and was very transparent about where his shortcomings were. And, like, every, like, ideally, he's not a bad person to date. So it, in, it immediately became, like, then what the fuck is wrong with you, Lily? And so... Because I can't really, I live by myself, I was like, well, let me go to the internet. Uh, and so I, I asked Google, like, the fuck is wrong with me? And, uh, <laughs> and Google takes me down a rabbit hole that leads me to a Reddit thread, <laughs> of all places. And I'm reading this Reddit thread, and, and I'm like, holy shit, this is me. Like... I'm, and probably have always been asexual and just never thought about it. Because I'm reading all these posts and I'm reading all these questions and then I start cross-referencing and reading the different spectrums of asexuality and, and how, yeah, like I never wanted to fuck anybody. Like, none of my relations... Oh, yeah, I, and I went back. I went back to, like, my son's father where I didn't want to fuck dude, but that's what you do at 16, 17 years old when you're with your... and you start juicing, right? And that's what you... did. You that's what your friends ask you, and you're like, well, I guess that's what the next step is supposed to be, so you do it. And, like, how I never really wanted to sleep. I'd always, like, oh, I'll give you a blowjob. Get out of my face. Um, and, you know, or... And and how orgasming was not a big deal. Like, whether I came or not, I don't give a fuck. I just, you got it? You good? All right, let's go to sleep or let's hang out. My intimacy was never about my genitals mashing up with anybody. My intimacy came from, like, real, like, just cuddling or just, like, cooking for someone or helping someone, like, like gift-giving and just not physical. And everything made sense. Like, how many times you've been accused for, che like, cheating on someone, Lily, because you didn't want to fuck? 
And they're like, well, then who are you getting it from? So everything, it was like, you know, usual suspects. The end of usual suspects when all the pieces come together as Kaiser Soze is walking down the street. That was it. Like, my asexuality was Kaiser Soze. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It was there all along. I just didn't see it. And, uh, and I remember just being like, huh. And I felt bad because I didn't know how to contact this guy and tell him that. I didn't know how to tell him because I didn't know what I was looking. I don't know how. I, I'm still in that, you know, this is January, February of last year. It's just, it's been a year since I've come out, I guess. And it feels good. I still don't know how to navigate around this. I still don't know how to or how to respond to someone who's like, are you single? And then I'm just like, yes, but forever, just so you know. Or I am, I don't know, but what are your expectations? Because I don't want to sleep with you, and I'm probably never going to want to. And I'm not going to compromise that anymore. So while I'm still learning to navigate, it's nice to know that I am free of a thing that I've been carrying for so long, and now, and, and that I'm always learning and more about myself, which is the way I look at life, and that nothing really ever happens to me, it happens for me. And this is just one of those times where like, learning more about myself is something that's happening for me, and I'm ready for whatever that is right now. Yeah, that's it, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Yeah, wow, that's real. <laughs> It is. That's very real. Yep. Wow. I think I've told that story two, three times. I think that's the most like oracle-like story <laughs> or <laughs> version of it. I guess you know, like I'm really still learning how to navigate around being asexual and just not really feeling like, and still not feeling like I fit in, but knowing that like I am who I'm going to be. Yeah. And ain't nothing, ain't nothing, nothing can say about it. Anyone can say about it because I know more who I am. Yeah. No. And it's something that a lot of people don't know. So <laughs> I don't know how you approach this with people because a lot of people have no idea what that even means. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't believe in it if they do. Yeah. Right. In such a hypersexual world. Right. Yeah. Where right now it's like we are in a sexual revolution where like, you know, it's like, you know, slut walks and hoe power and like, but what if I just, nah, what if I'm like, nothing, go for it. Like, if that's what you want to do, fine, but, and what does that mean in the, like, what does that mean to people, right? Like, because I I remember saying like, my OkCupid profile says I'm asexual, and I think people see that as like, I'm a and I forgot the space, <laughs> right? Sexual. Ooh. You're super sexual. Let me. Right. Let me I'm get a. I'm asexual. So you're like, a sexual what? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> have you gotten those messages? I have. Uh, which is what's funny about. Like I think sure. I get hit up more now that I'm like asexual uh, than when I was just like, you know, I want to fuck all the time because I wasn't. Like I, I, I spent four years pegging men. And realizing that that was never about getting off. It was a sense of control and power and, and being confident. So I did have my mo- But even then, even like I said, the Kaiser Soze moment, 
where I'm putting things together. I'm like, even that? Because they would be like, okay, so now do you want me to get you off? I'm like, no, go get me like a chicken sandwich. <laughs> and they'd be like, where do you want it from, goddess? And I'm like, mm, I don't care, just as long as it ain't no Chick-fil-A. And they would be like, you got it. And then, <laughs> right? So, and then I'd be like, yes, I'm in control. This is awesome. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. Uh, and mm-hmm. nobody knows what that is. No. And, or believes it. Right. It's like, how can you not want? No, no. I'm just, nothing, nothing, like, really turns me on about people. Or <laughs> 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 well, then I wonder, like, do some people maybe, if they do know what it means, then just see it as a challenge, right? Like, you think you're asexual, but you haven't met me yet. Just like, cis men do with queer women, like, oh, you just haven't met the right one yet. So I wonder if people similarly sometimes might see it as a challenge if they do know. I would love to meet those people. <laughs> like, I would love to meet them just to be like, let's see what you got, because I don't believe it. Like, I, just to see them make a fool themselves, because <laughs> right. it's really, for me, it would just be more of just like, let's see, what, what, what are you thinking? Um, no, I, I don't, I, I guess so, because, I mean, it's like I read a meme one time about, uh, or it was, or someone, I forgot what it was, um, and it was about how when you tell someone that you don't drink liquor, or you, you're not, you don't like beer, or you don't like liquor, they're like, what, how can you not like, mm-hmm. and they're like so surprised by that, but if you tell someone that you don't drink water, they're kind of like, all right. Like, they get, like, that's more <laughs> under, like, they, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like, it, that's kind of how I feel about my sexuality, where it's like, if I tell people I fuck all the time, it doesn't matter who I fuck, it's, I'm reckless with it, they're just like, more power to you, right? Mm-hmm. But if I told them, like, I don't like fucking, I don't think about fucking, I, there's nothing, I don't watch porn, it's not my, they're just like... How can you? What are you fucking? That's more shocking. Yeah, where it's just kind of like, or or more more. There's more concern behind that than the recklessness that I could be describing. Just like not using protection, or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So it's like, it's a couple weird. things that come to mind to me. One is when you tell somebody that you're a lesbian, and they're like, "You ain't met me yet." Uh, I'm not interested, <laughs> oh, right? And whatever you got going on, you can try all you want. I think that's that sounds very similar, yep. right? To to how it is when you feel a, when you know that you're asexual, and then I also think about the number of married people that I know who have no sex <laughs> in their life, and they're not missing anything in mm. their relationships, right? It's not that at one point I didn't find you attractive; I still find you attractive. But there's so many people, married people that I know that mm-hmm. are just who have no sex lives whatsoever, and are just as happy and just as satisfied in their relationships. Because there's still intimacy happening. Exactly. Because there's still, ro- like, romance, and there's still, like, that doesn't mean I don't, like, that I can't be romantic. Right. And that I can't exactly. be intimate, and that I won't hold somebody. But there, it's just, like, my intimacy is not, uh, it's not dependent on, like I said, like our ma- our generals mashing mm-hmm. up against each other. That's right. Um, you know, and that's, and uh, which also like had me questioning, like, well, then is is what I do find intimate another level of like, like, do I have to get consent for like making people meals? 
if that's how I show intimacy, right? Child, you know like, your love language. Yeah, right. No, right? I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I, I know that I'm a, uh, I'm definitely a, what are, I'm a words person, obviously. Like, I am encourager. <laughs> like, I'm encouraging. I do. Uh, I'm a word. Like, I like encouraging people via words and positive affirmations. And uh, it's it's. I don't think it's touch. I think the other one is uh, giving gifts mm-hmm. and and nourishing people like food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what I like is like uh, acts of service, like do going stuff to get for that me. chicken sandwich. Give me that yeah. chicken sandwich. <laughs> Give me that chicken sandwich. Do something to eat. Dust like, my TV or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like take take the pressure off of what I gotta do. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and then uh, and then buy me stuff. I like being bought gifts and left. <laughs> so. yeah, that's my love language. Like, that's wh- how I respond mm-hmm. to people. But, mm-hmm. you know, probably all of them in a way, but those are the two. Yeah, because then there's also those relationships on that other end where they might be having a lot of sex all the time, but they're not connecting. Like, they're not communicating. They're not listening to the other person's love language. They're not actually being intimate. Because you could also have sex without being intimate. Mm-hmm. And people, like you said, will think that's cool, too. They won't necessarily judge that as much as judging a relationship that doesn't have the sex but has all those intimate components of connection. Yeah, it's very nuanced, ain't it? Like, when I think about it, like, it's like every... And that's why I said I can't speak on other people because I've seen happiness and joy in so many different forms and with so many different elements kind of pasted and put together where it's just like y'all argue all the time like how can y'all be happy like oh because you know uh when I need my car fixed or when I you know or like they have their ways of like again being in like how are y'all happy and joyful how y'all been together 30 years Mm -hmm. um and it's like because I know I know this person, and I and I and they res- at, at and even though we might argue, there's still a respect for my mm-hmm. boundaries or my space, you know. And this mm-hmm. is the way we communicate. So I feel like every everyone is is so different, and uh, and I can't I can't knock uh, I can't like I can't knock just like I can't knock someone's hustle, I can't knock someone's like joy. Mm-hmm. And happiness, I can't knock it because that where you find joy is where you find joy, and uh, as long as it ain't getting in the way or putting anyone down or hurting anyone, then hey, get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> speaking I say, of, yeah, I say get it. I, I'm with getting it. <laughs> I um, I did watch a video, not to shift a little bit, but you brought up joy, and I watched a video that you did an interview, and you were talking about your son. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were just talking about how proud and how much joy and oh man, that, he brought that to your guy, life. That guy, uh, man, Xavier is one of these. Again, if I had known I was asexual when I was sixteen, I wouldn't have Xavier, obviously. Um, so maybe I had to wait till I was forty to figure it out. But Xavier is one of these like surprises. These these things that happen in life that at, when they happen. You kind of don't know why they're, because mm-hmm. I didn't find out I was pregnant with him till I was seventeen, till I was six months pregnant. So I got pregnant at sixteen, and then uh, found out when I was like a little past seven, like six months pregnant, seventeen, and 
then I had them four months later. Um, so there was no getting out of that, right? There was no finding out miss period. And then it's out on another podcast. It's like we <laughs> we told the stories together. But he is someone that I think just thinking about what could have been brings me a lot of joy and and really comfort in the in the in the in the fact this is what I'm saying a lot of people when they are something comes into their lives that they don't understand or that they are 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 feeling like it's not fair mm-hmm. don't usually see the the what there's a saying like the for the for the forest right don't see the tree for the, the forest, forest right for the like trees, yeah. forest for the trees right yeah. And uh, and I feel like Xavier is one of those things in my life where when it happened, I was like, life ruined. Mm-hmm. Stupid baby. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that's how I was. Like, for real. Like, I was just like, this damn kid just ruined my life. But if there was one thing that Xavier brought to my life was, like, this, like, patience and this, like, oh, I can't even put it in words because I'm about to cry. Uh I learned with Xavier that life is not what you get dealt. Because, like, my family was just, like, and fighting. And if it hadn't been for Xavier, I wouldn't have had a way out of that life. And so, like, and not just knock my family because I love them very much, but I think there's cycles that we're unable to break. And even though it was just kind of like, fuck, my life is over Life as I knew it was over. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. My life wasn't over because here mm-hmm. I still am. But <laughs> life as I knew it was over. And life as I had known it up until that point was pretty empty. Like it felt really empty. That's why I almost, like when I say storytelling saved my life, it was because I had lost Xavier. I, and I didn't lose him. His dad and I had an agreement. His dad took him. And so it was another, I, like, I didn't have my life. I didn't have Xavier. Mm. So I went into this, like, spiral of, like, fuck this, fuck this, right? Um, and uh, and just being around the wrong kind of people. And I had checked out of life. So not having him in my life was the reason that I had. But then again, I needed to lose him to find storytelling. Just so everything like has its purpose. It's just like again, that's why I say nothing happens to you, Lily. Everything is happening for you. I love that. You mm-hmm. just need to see it as that, right? Like you need to mm-hmm. see it as happening for you and you're not and it's not gonna be right away. Like I didn't see Xavier's purpose until I saw Xavier's purpose. I didn't see storytelling for what it was until I saw it for what it was and I'd even go a step further and saying that I until I felt it for what it was yeah. right so it's just like oh yeah no Xavier was in in itself him and I mean he's his own he is a big huge part of my story that one day I'll I'll pay tribute and homage to maybe in a one woman show maybe not we'll see but no he he was whoo yeah. that was a big yeah that was a big part he always makes me cry. <laughs> that one always makes me cry. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I make my parents cry yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Um, I think what you talk about is like the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to see it when you're in it, like you said. But things die 
and then other things find life in in your world and then you realize man crap i'm glad that died so that i could live this um if i see it with friendships that i've had i see it when i've moved to different places and you don't know what's going on um and you're just like oh this whole opportunity was just waiting for me or Mm -hmm. this whole experience was just waiting for me speaking of which right like the story i tell today told today was I had just gotten out of a relationship August of 2018 where a guy took me camping. Uh, this guy named As I Was Dating took me camping and was like, you going to die, bitch. And I was like, he didn't say that. I was like, am I going to die? And he was like. I'm like, wait, why did he take you out into the woods? <laughs> right, right. All my friends are like, bitch, now you know we don't go in the woods. Brown people do not go in the woods. Why did you do that? And I'm like, I trusted him. But. Uh, but I went and I was like, am I going to die in this tent? And he's like, yes, you are. And I really, and then we broke up and then he ghosted me. So I went through like trauma for like three, four months. And then my mom had to come down. But anyway, that relationship like died like instantly. And then I was like, I'm never going to date again. And then my friends were just like, it's cuffing season. You got to get back to dating. And so I started to like date again. I redid my profiles or whatever, like life you know, it started to, like, be, but that's when I figured out, like, I don't want this. Because I had to, so in, in that relationship dying, a lot of relationships kind of died along with it. Because I realized that certain friends weren't who I needed them to be. Mm. I realized that certain people weren't who I wanted to have around. So a lot of things were, were killed off along with that relationship. Mm. And they needed to be in order for life to come back and then also for life to be kind of opened up and discovered like this new life that I have like I love being asexual do you know oh my (laughs) gosh this life is so great because it's like I don't have to worry about anything I was you know I I diagnosed with like a thyroid issue I had lost like 160 pounds I put on 120 pounds back I remember working out and being like I hate being working out and being thin because now I get more attention than when I was heavier and I don't want any attention, right? Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that but being like, but I want to be healthy. And now that I have no real control over it, like my weight is more of just like I have to maintain more of like what I eat and, you know, so because it's a thyroid issue and not necessarily like whether or not I work out or anything, mm-hmm. you know, um, then it's just like, oh, so I don't have to worry about that other element. Of like, <laughs> of, of like, who's in, who's it, like, whoever, anyone could be interested. They're all gonna get the same answer, which is just like, <laughs> I'm not fucking you, uh, you know. And then they'll be like, well, well, you know. And not to say that I wouldn't find that relationship. I could still be in a relationship, according to the Reddit threads. Uh, <laughs> you could still be in relationships with people. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding those who are accepting of your identity. Which yeah. to me now is like, I'm asexual, and I can say that and be like, yeah, I'm I'm an ace, you know, and I, and I feel good about it, and that feels right. It feels yeah. like it, like when you put on a coat that just fits, that just mm. fits, and I'm like, oh, all right, coming out, yeah, at right. forty. At right. 40, at 40 years old, that's what I was like. So, it, and that's why I tell people like. Never think that you are where you're supposed to be or not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 
because guess what? You're not, you know? You're not the in only, control. The only yeah. definite is coming in and, and leaving, right? Those are the only two definites in life. That's the way life is designed. You are born and then you die. Everything in between is a crapshoot, right? <laughs> Everything is just like, let's see where it is. And that's what I'm like, that's the only two points in life that I know are for sure. It's how I got here and that's gone, been gone, and how I'm going to go. And in between, my mom said this saying of there is more time than there is life. There's going to be time after you, Lily. So stop wasting your time, not living your life. And I'm like, you're right. Love that. I'm going to live my damn life. And that's what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. if I'm, I'm glad I found out now, then to put someone else through a relationship where I wasn't sure, you know? Like, because I feel, I also feel bad about the guys. <laughs> that 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 I was like I'm not there yet. I didn't come, and and like thinking that I was supposed to be mad about that. But I like, cause then, oh man, the fights. I could write books about it. Like the fights. <laughs> you that killed we, some people's egos. You had yeah, to. Yeah, right. You sent some people to therapy. Like, I right. know, cause it's like I can't. I can't satisfy a woman. No, you could never. You're never gonna satisfy <laughs> Little Me, cause Little Me don't care about. That's not right. how you're in the wrong location. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's just like, but then me being like, it's okay, it's okay. Who are you fucking? Like oh, them yeah. being, you know, like me being that completely ego. encouraging and and being like, no, it's okay, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, okay, that's like I've mm. I've been in those fights, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. where it's just like, why don't you show me affection and why don't you want to have sex well and I'm like because I'm I'm I don't want to you know and then also on the flip side of that like having to do something I didn't want to do because I did not want to hurt someone's ego because I cared about them so much mm -hmm. so like being like okay fine oh I'm being playing the role um because I was a great actress y'all I really <laughs> I you got that I, part down. I got the part down. Uh, <laughs> but but also that being like inauthentic, right? And what that did to people. I feel really like I feel like I need to write a letter to all these guys like, <laughs> listen, all those I'm sorry, you know? But now you got it's on a podcast now, so I'll just send it to all of them. Like, <laughs> listen guys. My bad. <laughs> I did not know I was asexual. I recently found out. I recently figured it out. It was not you. It was all me. You. Some of it was you. And uh, it took that moment practicing your rap battle. Yeah. For it to come to fruition. That's such an interesting turning point, right? It was. It was like, what are you doing? Get away from me. You're too I'm close. I'm doing my thing. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. I feel so bad for that guy, too. He's the first one I'm going to message. Like, I hope that didn't turn you out. Like, you probably, like, went and canceled this okay cupid. As he's in therapy, like Anna said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I sent a lot of dudes to therapy. I'll tell you. Oh, man. I know. I, I No, trust me. That has definitely crossed my mind. Where I was just like, eee. Like, how many of these people do I really need to reach out to and, like, be like, look. My bad. I mean, I for sure, I can't even get into the fights that were kicked off because, like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing. I got, and trying to, like, 
understand, you know, like nothing's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Like, well, then it must be me or who are you? I'm like, well, that relates to what you were saying about why you had sex, right? It's because that's what we're told. That's the expectation. If you're in a relationship, you have to have sex. If you don't, then something's wrong with you or something's wrong with me or something else is going on. So all the reasons you had sex then are all the reasons that people thought that something was wrong with them or you. Something's broken, right? Right. And it's also that it, 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 it creates a bigger, it like, it's almost a bigger problem in that, like, we as a world, society, community are not properly educated mm-hmm. on all the, on the spectrum. Right. Right? Of what people are and can be, which, mm-hmm. which brings it now back full circle to, like, this is why we need all these spaces to be able to share in our experiences. This is why yeah. we need an LGBTQ storytelling show. This is why we need podcasts that do this. This is why we need all these platforms to be able to, because they're not doing this in schools, okay? <laughs> they definitely they, are not. They're not, right? And they're not, and, and parents and fan, we're just only the tip of the iceberg of spectrum, right? It's either, and, and that's the part of storytelling that I really aim to explore is the spectrum of uh, what is in the middle, right? Because mm-hmm. I think when you were at a workshop, I said, if I ask somebody to tell me a love story, right, you're going to get two love stories. I got, I, they broke up with me, I fell in love. Those are the two stories you're going to get or a version of them. Right. You're not going to explore the spectrum of storytelling, so that's why you have to kind of give them those prompts, give them Mm -hmm. that uh, permission, you know? So tell me a love story where you're the bad guy. Tell me a love story where you can laugh at it in hindsight. Tell Mm -hmm. me a love story. And then it's not necessary. Then love even becomes redefined. It's not about someone you fell in love with. It could be like love of movies, love of a pet, love of something, right? Mm -hmm. Where those kind of, where love exists in many of the different ways and forms that love exists. Same with sex, same with race, same with culture, same with identity, same with everything, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't take the time to explore all the, that spectrum. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with, let's explore the spectrum and, and listen. And at the end of the day, listen to each other because that's the other side of this that we really need to focus on is when we do a lot of talking, we should also listen. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I admit that in this whole thing, I probably could have done more is listen to my partners and then in turn uh, been able to research, right? Because mm-hmm. when he left, I was like, oh, I got no one to talk. Yeah. <laughs> 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 got to figure it out. Listening is, I think listening is a really good point because I think people hear a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And in our society, everything's moving so fast. You got 20 second sound bites. 30 second, 60 second sound bites, and I'm moving on to the next thing. I don't even care about what really happened. The whole story, I don't get no context. I just mm-hmm. get this little bitty piece. And we hear it, but we don't really listen to what somebody's got to say. Mm-hmm. Or really listen, learn how to listen to our own bodies in right. your particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's lots of areas where listening just sort of falls by the wayside because we're moving so fast and or just trying to please someone else um, or and not taking ownership of our own happiness and joy because with listening comes that processing right that like we listen Mm -hmm. we take the information 
we have to process it. Mm -hmm. And I think in this case, I was forced to. Like, I, I heard everything that happened, like, to the point of me slamming the door. And then I had to sit with it and process that shit. <laughs> and then in the processing yeah. and having listened to everything, myself, my body, my heart, mm -hmm. him, everything he said, and really processing everything that had happened until that point, yeah. coming to this, like, conclusion of, like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, Lily. It's just that you just did not know. You thought you knew, you know? And a lot, And my son, let's bring this to my baby. When he was little, he got punished. And he, and after his punishment for two months. Two months? Oh, yeah, he lied. I'm oh, not damn. a fan of like liars. <laughs> that must be a big lie. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a story for another day, but let's just say that his lie cost us like 200-something dollars. Oh. And, uh, and he didn't have no job, so we were like, two months, you grounded. dollars a month. <laughs> yep, $100 a month is what it's going to you, cost you, G. So at the end of his two-month uh, summer uh, punishment... Um, in the summertime? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Oh, Mama Lily <sighs> Fig. Oh, no, we don't. Him, his dad and I did not play, because this, this, this is going to be the last time you lie to us. Um, and it was. Um, but at the end of that summer, he, we were like, we let him off early, right, because we still wanted to have uh, the last couple weeks of August. So, uh, so, you, so yeah, so he, he have something. And before school started, but then I, I asked him, like, what did you learn about with this punishment? Because we did, we did let him read and write. Uh, and he was like, uh, I realized the real definition of a mistake is that we do because we know, and we, kn we do right because we know, and we know because we think. And we do wrong when we think we know. And I was like, Go to your room. Uh, <laughs> and then I Googled that shit to make sure that he didn't plagiarize it, which would mean that he had got, like, cheated at his punishment. But it couldn't find it. Um, and then I was like, damn, he just hit me with, like, a check that I'm going to cash in my memory bank mm -hmm. and hold on to for the rest of my life because we make mistakes or we, we err when we think we know. Mm -hmm. You know? And I thought I knew my whole life that this is the way I was supposed to live my life. And I find that in storytelling and listening to stories that there's a lot that I thought I knew until I heard mm -hmm. the full story, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and maybe that's a, a, a good place for us or for me to really focus on when I do my shows, when I do anything is like, how much do you think you know? Or how much do you really know? Or is this you thinking you know something? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then going from there. And I think that's that's where I'm at right now with life. It's like, you don't know everything, Lily. You don't. You ain't never going to know everything. How much of this is what you really know and how much of this is what you think you know? And, that's, and that kind of guides the way I process things and move forward. So. Love it. Yay, thanks. That's a beautiful place to kind of leave things and I know you have so much going on in the city all the time so what do you want our listeners to check out where can they find you where can they see you workshop with you 
so I do have some workshops coming up, uh, four-week workshops. If you go to lilyb.com and just hit workshops uh, or the tabs, you'll see where I'm going to be. I'm doing a couple shows coming up. Less shows, uh, but what I do want people to hit up is the Kickstarter for the game that I invented. I invented a storytelling game based on my workshops because, um, like I said, there are a lot of communities that do not have access to either a storytelling show or storytelling classes and workshops. Um, and I feel, and so the Kickstarter is really to have a thousand uh, cards printed or decks of cards printed, of which we're going to donate probably like 450, 500, so almost half of them, to uh, people, organizations, schools that do not have access, uh, social services, whatever, that don't have access to personal narrative programs, projects, uh, workshops, classes. Because a class would be like $300, yeah. you know, at like a second city or so. And not everyone has access to that. Right. Again, not an ill intention, but it's still something that people don't take into consideration. And because I am living proof of the change that can happen from owning your story and being able to share it with the world openly and unapologetically uh, and how healing and life-changing that could be, I have to believe that there are other people that would benefit from being able to do the same. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, just uh, it's, in my, it's on my website as well, the Kickstarter to the Your Life uh, storytelling game. It's probably the one thing that I want to see out there in the world more than anything is people just playing this game and using it as a tool to like to share and listen and process and get yeah. to know and understand and connect each other connect with each other better great we'll yeah. make sure to link that kickstarter too so people yeah. can find it and com, the stoop you know I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff all over the city all the time best story thing collider. is story yeah, collider yeah no it's a fun <laughs> yeah i'm on i host and produce story collider which is another storytelling show with stories about science. May 9th is our next show right. at uh, here in this building, Cards Against Humanity. It's, it'll I got to come here. to that one. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, it's a, I mean, it's just, again, life-changing. I wouldn't be a producer to no show like mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Like, it's just, this has all been an amazing journey for me. And that's why I got to believe that storytelling is, is there to help a lot more people and if it could do it with me, it could do it with so many people. And so sure. I just want to give that, gift that to as many people as I can. So thank, thank you. you. No, thank y'all. This is great. This is great. I appreciate it very much. Very, very much. So. Well, you are very welcome. And thank you. Awesome. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank y'all. This is great. Connect with Beyond Queer Stories on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories and on Twitter at Beyond Queer Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, click the link on our Facebook or Instagram page or email us at beyondqueerstories at gmail.com. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please rate us and subscribe to help boost the podcast. Our podcast music is created by Beast Deadwell. Check out her music, tour dates, and other queer art at beastdeadwell.com. That's B-E-S-T-E-A-D-W-E-L-L dot -E -L -L com. Beyond Queer Stories is produced and edited by Dawn Brown and recorded in the Cards Against Humanity podcast studio in Chicago, Illinois. Check out their products at cardsagainsthumanity.com. Talk to you all next week. <laughs>